Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your mother and father. Then the ruler said, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one more thing. Sell everything you own and distribute the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When he heard these words, the man became sad because he was extremely rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, It's very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Those who heard this said, then who can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Early to bed and early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. Have you heard that one? That saying first became popular in 1732 when Ben Franklin included it in his seminal Poor Richard's Almanac. And while our reading from Proverbs 10 today doesn't give any advice about what time we should go to sleep or get up in the morning, it gives plenty of other advice about what makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. The verses from Proverbs 10 that Molly read just a few moments ago have been interpreted in a variety of ways over the centuries. One of the more recent interpretations has contributed to what's come to be known as the prosperity gospel. While the roots of the prosperity gospel stretch back to the early 20th century, it came to prominence in the 80s and 90s as televangelism boomed. And if you listen to prosperity gospel preachers, they'll tell you that the wisdom at the core of Scripture is that faithfulness will be rewarded with prosperity, with health and wealth. Now, while the term prosperity gospel may be relatively new, the idea that God rewards the faithful and the just is as old as the book of Proverbs. Just listen again to some of those verses from chapter 10. The Lord doesn't let the righteous starve. Blessings cover the head of the righteous. The Lord's blessing makes a person rich. In some ways, prosperity gospel preachers today are simply repackaging this ancient wisdom tradition for a new generation. The truth is that the ancient wisdom of Proverbs was grounded in a God of reward and punishment. It proffered a God who rewards wise, faithful, and righteous people and punishes the foolish and disobedient 
But as I promised when we began this series on wisdom a few weeks ago, we're not going to just take this ancient wisdom at face value. We're going to look at it critically. And we're going to put it in the context of here and now. Now look, it's easy for a Presbyterian to pick apart this theology built on a God of reward and punishment. We believe in a generous God who offers us grace regardless of how good or faithful we've been lately. Not a petty God who sends us suffering when we're disobedience and prizes when we behave appropriately. And I can just as easily get on my high horse and criticize the prosperity gospel. But if I'm being honest, I have to admit that we too in the mainline Protestant church are suffering from another misguided theology with some of its roots right here in Proverbs 10. No, not the prosperity gospel, something different. I think you could call it the gospel of hard work. Or you could call it bootstrap theology, as in pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Or the God helps those who help themselves gospel. And it's right there in Proverbs 10, verse 4. Laziness brings poverty. Hard work makes one rich. The prosperity gospel may practice an idolatry of piety, but we have our own idols too. And I want to make the case that one of our idols is hard work. We even have a name for it, right? The Protestant work ethic. That phrase was coined by German sociologist Max Weber in 1904 in his book, The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. The book sets out to answer the question of why the institutions of modern capitalism developed in Europe in the 16th century on the heels of the Protestant Reformation there. And a key part of Weber's answer to that question has to do with the development of a Protestant work ethic that's all tied up in Calvinist reform theology, especially predestination. I won't bore you with all the details of his argument. But the upshot is that for some Protestants, hard work came to be seen as a sign of God's favor. It became an outward sign that one was among God's elect, among those whom God had chosen, predestined for salvation. And this, Weber concluded, contributed to the development of modern capitalism. Now, whether you agree or disagree with Weber's conclusions, I think he's right about at least one thing. For many of us in the Protestant tradition, our work, our output, our productivity, our success, they have become bound up with how we measure our value as human beings and ultimately our value to God. This practice of intertwining our work and our value has fueled a culture where we feel compelled to earn our keep. And ultimately, this leads us to idolatry because it puts us and our hard work and our success at the center instead of God. It can put the burden of our salvation on our shoulders, on something we do, instead of trusting in God's goodness and grace. 
Uh, we may not preach the gospel of hard work as explicitly or as fervently as others preach the prosperity gospel, but I believe that it is infused in the way that many of us and our churches make decisions. And this is where our gospel text today enters the conversation. In Luke 18, an exchange between Jesus and an unnamed man unfolds before us. An exchange that turns this ancient wisdom about what makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise on its head. The opening verse of the story establishes the unnamed man's status. He's called archon, ruler in the Greek, a rich man. And he asks Jesus, what must I do to obtain eternal life? First, just notice the way that he asks the question. What must I do to obtain eternal life? This man is ready to work for what he wants, to put in the sweat equity. The next part of the story establishes his righteousness, his piety, Jesus tells them that to have eternal life, he should follow God's commandments. And the man says, check, I've done that. Is that it? And at that point, it seems like everyone is just waiting for the balloons to drop and for Jesus to say, congratulations, you've done it. You've won eternal life. You see, they're living in this culture where Righteousness is rewarded by God with success. And that success becomes an outward sign of God's favor. According to the ancient wisdom of Proverbs, God had made this man rich because of his righteousness. And so everyone assumes that obviously this man, because of his piety and his wealth, surely this man is favored by God. Surely this man has already obtained his salvation. But of course, Jesus says there's one more thing. Sell everything you own and give your money to the poor and come follow me. A man is floored. And so is everyone else who's watching this interaction. In exasperation, the crowd asks, then who can be saved? And Jesus responds, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. What is impossible for humans is possible for God. And actually, I love the way that the message translates this verse even more. In the message, the crowd asks Jesus, then who has any chance at all to be saved? And Jesus responds, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn God's blessing. It is impossible. No matter how hard you work, no matter how successful you are, no matter what you do, you cannot earn God's love. And that is the beautiful truth of the gospel. It's a truth that's hard to believe and even harder to practice. 
our economy, and even our church at times have taught us that we are what we do, that our productivity is our value and our success and our wealth are an assurance of God's blessing. But in this story, Jesus reminds us that God's economy is different. He reminds us that no matter how hard we work or how successful we are, no matter how many hours you put in or how much money you earn, no matter how many things you check off your to-do list or how many accolades you receive, you cannot earn God's grace. And he also reminds us that no matter how good and righteous we are, no matter how many Sundays you show up for worship, no matter how many times you read the Bible, no matter how many good deeds you do or how much of your money you give away, you cannot earn God's grace. And in a culture where we are conditioned to believe that anything can be earned by hard work, it takes Genuine humility to accept that there are some things we can't earn. And that is the beautiful truth of the gospel. My interpretation of the gospel this morning was inspired in part by Pastor Lindsay's sermon here two weeks ago on Luke 12, 22 to 34. And so I'd like to close with a prayer that I wrote recently in response to her sermon and that text and it's a prayer that I imagined Jesus speaking directly to me, but I share it with you today and hope that um, there's something in it that connects with you also. Jesus said to me, don't worry. There's more to life than work. You are so much more to me than your work. Don't wear yourself out trying to have worth. Don't chase after my love. Don't be afraid. God delights in you, in your heart. God's love for you never runs out. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.